Do we dare take a live caller on our first time using this? Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Okay, Andrew. Are you bringing him in? Make next caller. What a day, guys. <laughs> How is it going, man? Have you ever 3D printed something? I have not. It's it's uh so I'm super into tech stuff and 3D printing I think is like sort of my next frontier of things that I am interested in getting into and I've got two boys that are 14 and 12 and they're really into technology stuff. So I feel like that may be the next thing that uh you know the, the the father and sons get together on and learn about and uh but i just i for me i don't really Uh-oh, we... see ads for things all the time online get this or get that and it's like oh yeah i have no idea what what i should get as that entry point so yeah i'm interested in what you guys we can tell you do and have to say yeah well uh we can definitely talk about it but first of all i do want to say that bringing a teenager into uh, a realm where they can create and make things is immensely powerful. And it really changes the way, at least in my experience and what I've seen, what I've witnessed is it, it changes the way people, whether they're older or younger, how they see the world. They stop seeing electronics, for example, as black boxes that just do something. They... If you start designing parts and printing parts and making things, you start to develop a natural curiosity of how do things work? Why do they work? They probably already mm -hmm. have that to some degree. They might. Andrew, uh, they might. do you, um, do your boys, do they fix things? Are they, um, are they intrigued by like when their chain falls off their bicycle? Can they put it on? What are we talking here? Yeah, so I think one of the things for our family, just in general, uh, like the house that we live in, uh, we it was my grandparents' house, and we just completely tore it down, like beyond to the studs, like ripped the roof off. There's basically nothing left but the foundation from the original house. Nice. And so my kids, like even when they were little, you know, six and seven, they were building things. They were helping to figure out like where to put a window in their room. And, um, and so like, even in terms of gaming and stuff like, like th these guys are super into more like the Minecraft stuff where you're building things and yeah, the, the design is of intense interest to them. And one of the things that they actually got that, that they've really enjoyed, and I've been happy about it. My brother got them a subscription to a company. I think it's called Kiwi. Yeah co or something like that and they send these boxes and they always get they they're they always want like the engineering box oh yeah and it's all these you know like goofy like you you can build a safe out of cardboard yeah. stuff and like that's the stuff that they're really interested so in cool. and yeah even just in terms of like the youtube stuff that they like you know a, a big thing i'm sure most everybody in here has watched some of like mark rober's videos which are just that's the byu grad right isn't he yeah yeah he makes oh, the the, yeah, for sure. He's a, you know, he worked at uh, JPL and he's just 
you know, he, he does the fart box. Bomb. <laughs> yes, right. that was yeah. that was the one that really like launched him into to stardom. Um, but yeah, he does all sorts of things. Like he made a a an NFL kicking robot to uh, oh, I saw that figure one. out like how far you could kick a a ball. And I mean, <sighs> just all sorts of goofy stuff where yeah. they're they're building these things. They're having to think through problems and um, and I'm you know with all the junk that exist on the internet. Like I'm glad that my kids like to watch that kind of thing. So that's why I think it's like a really natural fit for them to move on to something like 3d printing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Your it's kids gonna, need a printer for sure. It's going to change their life. Like, and it could end up being a job or a lead into yeah. a, a really cool job. But I would say start with, you probably get all kinds of Instagram ads and mm-hmm. YouTube ads on like low end Chinese you know, 3D printers that are readily available, pretty cheap, but they will break, you know? So yeah. I, I think start with anything. One that I know is pretty reputable and uh, it's a good machine. It'll have its issues just like any hobby level printer. Um, but most of them are tackleable either by you or your kids. And uh, a Prusa M3 is a good okay. model uh, to start with. Well, what's what's the price on a Prusa, a brand new? Prusa can be as low as like five hundred bucks, and then okay. de- depending how you outfit it, it can go up upwards seven eight hundred. But yeah, I would say anything under, actually, probably anything within the budget of like a a, a homeowner and like just a personal project, approach it with some patience. Like understand, like Tate said, that it's going to break, it's going to have issues. And so if you come at the project with that expectation, then you won't be surprised and you will be less frustrated when you have to make it work and just incorporate that into the learning process with your kids. Uh, And maybe it's an opportunity to upgrade it, but it's going to require maintenance and some patience and, but it's so worth it. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really cool. I mean, like one of the things, so my, the, the job that I have actually am a, movie theater owner and nice you know like i'm dealing with projection equipment and audio equipment all that kind of stuff all the time and i i'm just a tinker by nature and so you know i i enjoy like tearing things apart and putting them back together and things breaking don't really bother me as long as i can figure out what the issue is well the equipment you have in that theater is probably relatively old like you can keep that stuff going forever can't you yeah, um, you know, as long as the the parts are made available to you, you can change out pretty much anything. I mean, there's there's all sorts of goofy things in them that you know, like I've I've figured out that there was a problem, took it apart, and you know, you just like Google search the part number, nice. and yeah. you know, you'll find some supply warehouse in New Jersey that happens to have it, <laughs> and then you fix the problem. And yeah, well, um, this is just like that. It's sim. It's yeah. very similar, um, and but we are talking about hardware issues and also yeah. just software issues. Like yeah. the, the printer may be working perfectly, but your prints may not be coming out great. And that's an opportunity to learn how the printer is working and how to make adjustments to things like the melt temperature and the speed that the head is moving, extrusion rate, things like that. So on the lower end, these printers, they're, they're meant to be used out of the box, but as you start to throw more exotic materials at them and more difficult prints, then it requires a bit of experimentation. Nice. Yeah. Andrew, 
Thanks for thanks for calling in. We're gonna we're gonna bump you and we're gonna try yeah. and do this episode. But you're more than welcome to listen and you might cool. want to. Thanks, guys. Yeah, check out our podcast. It does seem relevant. Yeah, for sure. Nice. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Dude, so we are. This we, is amazing. It is amazing. Uh, the people who are listening to our podcast are probably confused. What this right? Oh, our actual podcast. Yeah. Are we recording? We are recording. Okay. Well, let's explain. Yeah, let's explain. Go ahead. So one of the podcasts that I enjoy called the All In Podcast. Mm -hmm. One of the co-hosts on that podcast started or co-founded an app called Call In. And it's unfortunately an iOS app only right now. For so, now. For now. And it's essentially a social podcasting app. And uh, we figured we'd give it a shot. And we are totally learning on the fly. We are learning on the fly, for sure. And it was a beautiful experience and it, it was a lesson in customer service. When we signed up for the app using your iPhone. Because I have one. You have one, I don't. And we started a room and suddenly a listener showed up. So we invited him to speak and it turns out he worked for Colin and was able to spend about 30 minutes helping us understand this app. Yeah, and now we have, <laughs> we've got a few listeners that have just yeah. stopped by and I guess if you're if you're interested in it, YouTube it, look it up. Yeah. Google it. Call in. Call it's, in. It's spelled like Callen, I would say. Yeah, Callen. with an extra L. And so what you just heard was us interacting with a listener live. So if you're listening to the podcast, you will be listening to it Friday night, Saturday morning, sometime next week. But we are going to be live on Colin from now on. Right. So he's if you making want, a big commitment. I here. am. I am for sure. Cause it's fun. It is fun. That was really cool. And so sign up for the app. If you have a, an iPhone, we're told that the Android version is coming out soon and you can interact with us. Yeah. And so that being said, now that everyone knows what the heck is going on, the confusion is over. Let's move into our regular segment. Okay. So we've had a little gap. We've had a couple weeks. Yeah, we've been gone for three weeks. I've been counting the days. Okay. I'm, I'll, I actually will be surprised if we have any listeners. I looked at back. I looked at the stats the other day. We still have people checking in. Oh man, I I would not have even dared to look at the stats. I I dared today, but uh, well, that's good. I was busy last week. I went to Chicago. I went to the Rapid Exposition, which is. They say it's known as the worldwide um, most important and largest additive show. Yeah. And it, I, it was incredible. It is a great it show. It was good. Every professional expo makes those same claims. But Rapid TCT is a very well-known show, uh, show, and it brings out all of the major OEMs and new ones, too. Yeah. Plus we had the Fabtech show right on top of it. So there were a ton of people yeah. there that just kind of wandered in. It was really cool. And Fabtech is huge. I love how I came, when you came back, I came and asked, hey, uh, were you excited to be at, at Fabtech? And you're like, oh, I didn't even know it was happening. And I was on Instagram and I started seeing all of these guys that I follow. They looked like they were in the same building as me. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew it was happening because I walked right past it to get into the <laughs> to get into rapid. But 
Uh, I didn't realize how big of a deal it, it is until I looked on my Instagram, like you said, and I just noticed all these people that I follow are doing all this stuff at, at this trade show. And I'm like, they're here. Yeah. I need to go see these people. Yeah. And of course I didn't. But. You didn't, but that's okay. You got to rub shoulders with the CEO of Stratasys, CEO of Scott Mark Forged, Trump was there. the Scott inventor Crump. of FDM. I have a photo uh, that's one of, it's the coolest thing. I have a photo with myself, Scott Crump, Carl Decker. Do you know who that is? That's a negative. <laughs> Carl Decker uh, invented SLS. Okay. So, yeah. You were with the Godfathers. Is the what Godfathers, yeah. Of and, 3D uh, printing. Yep. And the only guy we were missing was Chuck Hull, who is like Scott Crump, Carl Deckard, and uh, You may have mentioned Chuck Hull. this before. I may have mentioned podcast. it. Well, because- This is Tyler's subtle brag. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. I mean, you're there with the inventor of FDM, or FFF printing, whatever. The inventor of uh, SLS, SLS printing- and Chuck, Chuck Hole was missing. But Chuck Hole ev- invented SLA and started what eventually became 3D Systems. So these are pioneers in our industry. Yeah. So anyway, did you, did you shake Scott's hand? Um, no, That's I was okay. too afraid. That's okay. I was way too afraid. Um, I heard that all of the OEMs brought the big guns out. Like I was saying, C- CEOs, VP of sales. Yeah. Everyone. Everybody was there. And I, like you said, we get, we did get to rub shoulders with a lot of people. We don't have time to go through everything today, but I did want to give you my highlights. Okay. Let's, let's start with there. So, uh, the show obviously huge. Everyone brought their best machines out. I don't have time to talk about every single one, but I think you'll be interested to know. I finally got to see if you've heard of forest. Well, we talked about Forest. That's a company that got acquired by Desktop Metal. And they brought wood parts to the show. So I actually got to see 3D printed wood with the wood grains. Yeah, so this was a topic of conversation a couple months back. And we were kind of speculating or wondering out loud, how are they handling the wood grain? Because they're printing artistic pieces, right? I can't. I can't answer that, but the benefits are incredible if you think about it. If you are doing interior components for, say, a high-end yacht or a Rolls-Royce or something like that, you can align the wood grains so that they aesthetically just look perfect. Number one, you got to stop doing that because when I come to edit these pods, (laughs) that thing peaks like crazy, Okay. Uh, so you didn't ask them about their software workflow. Well, we happen to know someone there at desktop metal that we talked to a little bit and they had mentioned that they, which I guess forest had their own machine, right? I was told by an inside source that they have converted some of desktops machines to be able to print the forest product. Yeah. They were taking their binder jetting machines, the shop system or the production system and they're hoping to run instead of powdered metal, powdered wood. Yep. And I've seen clips of that happening. It's incredible, but I got to lay hands on it. There are a lot of benefits when you think about it. Uh, One of our colleagues had mentioned he's a woodworker Mm -hmm. as a hobbyist, and 
he mentioned being able to simulate the knotted textures of like certain parts of wood that you wouldn't normally get or are tougher to get your hands on. Well, let me ask you, were all of these parts smooth? No, they, they had, they had that sugar cube texture, maybe slightly smoother than a sugar cube. Okay. Let me rephrase that. Was the surface finish consistent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, don't want to spend too much time on it. This is a highlight reel. The second thing, I got to see Ultrafuse material in real life. Oh, and? <laughs> so for those of you who haven't heard this, uh, Ultrafuse is a, an extruded 316 stainless. Yeah, it's a filament metal. That gets shrunk. As it gets sintered, it shrinks about 20-ish percent. Matter Hackers is who takes care of the sintering. Basically, you print the part at home on your hobby level system. You send the part out. They center it for you. They send it back. And you have this finished 3D printed metal component. We essentially have a whole episode on this. Yeah, so look it up. Yeah. (laughs) I think we have an episode called What's the Deal with Filament Metal? Although I don't that I don't think that's the episode that we discuss Ultrafuse. It may have maybe been. not. Anyway, may not. the part looked okay. okay. The geometry was super super simple, and the people at the booth even admitted like certain geometries Who's, are better for it. Was it a BASF booth? It was not a BASF booth. Um, it was actually a MakerBot booth. Okay. So they had printed this on a MakerBot, and it looked good. It looked good, but to me, it was obvious that this geometry wouldn't cause too many issues. How did it compare to the parts that we've been printing in the lab on our... It didn't. It doesn't compare. It doesn't compare. You. C- it looks like FDM. Yeah. It looks like FDM. So it looked like just what we used to get off the desktop metal studio system. It looks the same. So, yeah, for sure. Which, again, we've kind of talked about the, the distinct differences between a filament metal printer and a laser sintering printer, which is what we have now. We have the exact metal XM200C. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he's selling. Um, I also got to put my hands finally for the first time ever on a 3D printed sand casting mold. Okay, from X1? From X1. Now a a desktop metal company? It's not all wrapped up yet. Oh yeah, that's true. It's up in the air anyway. Um, it's not finalized, but yeah, likely they actually, X1 did have a separate booth, um, while Envision Tech did not. So Envision Tech ran their booth in line with desktop metal because mm-hmm. they're fully acquired. Yeah. X1 actually had a separate booth, um, that was some distance from the desktop metal booth. And I actually didn't see the sand casting mold at X1. I saw it at a service provider okay. that is doing the, the casting for various companies. Oh, so a casting house was at the show. Yep. Very cool. Yep. So it's really, really cool to see. If you haven't seen those sand casting molds, they're pretty incredible uh, what you can do with those. Well, we should talk a little bit about that because I don't think that's a topic we have ever addressed. On another episode. Okay. This is, okay, yeah, yeah. Bookmark that. Um, Unless a listener (laughs) wants to hear more. (laughs) No, 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 no. So I I just have a couple more bullets to get to. I 
finally got to see a post-process machine in person, which is great because they're one of our vendors. Yes. And I love the build quality of the machines. They were just running water in the systems, but I thought it was cool that they had a fluid in them and actually which, running Do you them. remember which Demi 400. A Demi 400. Okay. And they had the Demi 800 there as well. So I got to see both of those machines running. Build quality is superb. The machines look amazing. And they do their job well. You can't deny that. If, and if you're trying to scale, it's the only way to go. Yeah, so that I think that's one of the, um, it's a new opportunity that's opening up as 3D printing becomes more of a production ready type of technology. You have to deal with the preprint processes and the postprint processes at scale. And for a technology that's been primarily used for onesie, twosie, very low volume, and workflows that were developed to support that type of volume, there's tons of opportunity on both the preprint software side and postprint hardware and software side for companies to come in and enable production printing. Because when, it, when you're talking about producing parts at volume, the printing component of the workflow is actually fairly small, um, whether it's plastic or metals. I agree. So it's more true on the metal side. Way it, more true on the metal side. Yeah. With PolyJet, it's relatively simple. And so these Demi systems are great for that. Yeah. Different polymer uh, printing technologies will have, you know, different post processing. Uh, requirements and are better suited for at scale yeah. uh, post-processing. The next thing is something I'm real excited to talk about. I can see it in your face. <laughs> you remember the 3D printing company called Massivit? Yes. So it's all one word, Massivit. Uh, for those of you on call-in or anywhere, Google this company. It, even if 3D printing is just like somewhat exciting to you, this has to be exciting. This 3D printer is as big as a house. Okay, it's not that big, depending on how small your house is. If, I guess if it's If you're all living relative. in a little uh, 3D printed tiny home in Austin, it <laughs> might be as big size. as your house. You might as well live in a printer. Yeah, and I can see this thing being so incredible for like movie props in the movie industry. Yeah. Uh, it is so cool. Anyway, I learned something new about it. I talked about this in a previous show. They were 3D printing this big old giant lion. lion. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, what I learned is that it is not an FDM system. What? It's not an FDM. I that thought, can't be true. I thought that it was an FDM system, that this was like a thermoplastic machine, and it was doing like these massive PLA prints or some cheap thermoplastic. Yeah. It's a photopolymer gel. No, it, yeah. it can't be. So it's like, it can't be. It's like PolyJet. So the materials are an, uh, an acrylic-based photopolymer gel. And so it is kind of like FDM where it's extruding this path, and it looks like basically like you're squirting toothpaste out okay. on this deal. But it's got a UV light that cures right behind it. So it's laying down the gel and curing it kind of all in one pass. Is it, hmm, is it flattening it? I can't say. 
I can't say. Like those those other big FDM machines have a roller that go behind the material, and I'm not sure if this well, is actually flattened. And it. also photopolymers. Almost every photopolymer technology. Almost, which I have another highlight. I may know what you're talking about. Stay tuned. Okay, I may know what you're talking about. But most photopolymers come out as a resin and then they're flattened with a roller. And there's various reasons why you do that. Um, But that's been a key component of how the technology works. But you're not sure if that was happening. No. It's laid down in gel form. And I'm so, not sure if it flattens. That would have to okay. do with probably it's, the viscosity of the material. Does it have self-supporting capabilities? It must. I imagine so. Yeah. Oh, that's different. And I didn't see any support material being printed. So uh, the thing was uh, incredible. But to learn kind of the similarities, since I know a little bit about PolyJet. Yeah. Um, as I talked to them about materials, I started to realize like this is very, very similar to polyjet's strengths and weaknesses wise. Um, but when you're printing parts that big, I mean, they had a full scale car hood there. Mm-hmm. It, it's very, very cool. Anyway, moving on. I had to touch on that. Cause I think, okay. Yeah. It, it was new cool. to me that it was a, a photo cure. Yeah. I think we had talked about mass of it on our a mug recap show. Yeah. That yep, sounds right. Yep. The other company that I found a lot of interest in, uh, more just curio- curiosity, is the Ceramic Printing Bison 1000. <laughs> it's from the company Teethon 3D. Oh, my God. The Bison okay. 1000, do you not like that name? It reminds me of Street Fighter. <laughs> well, it prints ceramics. Okay. It how? can print metal as well. They metal, have metal and ceramics. It's a polymer. Yeah, so they have these resins, ceramic resins. Okay. And I don't know the differences from one to the next. I did not learn much about it, but you could literally make pot, pottery on this thing. Um, it prints green parts that have to be fired, I assume. I would assume so as well. Yeah. I didn't get that far. Again, very curious about this one. I can't think of a reason for myself to want a ceramic 3D print, but I imagine it's very, very useful in certain instances. Well, it is a very useful material to have, and it was one of the types of materials that I was hoping that we would have access to um, at launch on our origin system. Uh, It doesn't look like we will, but ceramics have a, a ton of, useful qualities. They're very temperature resistant, right? So we can use them in environments that are very high temperature and they don't, their CTE is very low, right? So you can heat them up to extreme temperatures and they're not growing like even something like Inconel is. They're non-conductive, which is distinctly different than most metals and a, a wide variety. So ceramic is awesome. They did have a magnetic part as well. A magnetic ceramic. A magnetic ceramic? Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun to just say. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing um, is Inkbit. Yes. So this is getting on the technology where you talked about a polyjet that has a roller typically. Inkbit does not have a roller. It's contactless. Yeah. So what's happening is you have real-time 
voxel feedback and adjustment so it's closed loop it's basically it's got an eyeball and a brain is i think the way they put it okay and it's scanning each layer it's seeing where it needs more resin on the voxel level and it puts it there yeah so imagine a machine that has four print heads that are stationary and the print bed sweeps left to right Mm -hmm. underneath the print heads and they're depositing photopolymers and there's a vision system incorporated into this. So it will deposit the photopolymers uh, droplets at a certain DPI and then the vision system takes a essentially a 3D scan of the surface and it is picking up differences um, against nominal for in the XY directions, but also the Z direction, and then it's supposed to compensate for that afterwards. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> you effectively said exactly what I just said. I know. In but more words, it was better. It was more descriptive. It, for those of you who are listening live, go ahead and <laughs> give give a thumbs up if you think I explained it better than Tate. <laughs> oh, better for sure, but palatable. <laughs> more clearly, palatable. Um, yeah, it's an incredible <clears throat> system, and it prints. Instead of like a typical polyjet support like we have, it prints wax as As a support. Yeah, as a support material, which is awesome. Um, Which is kind of part of the reason why it does have to sweep back and forth because it's cooling and managing heat as it goes from side to side. It hits fans and that's they really have to work to manage heat. So like on comparing it to polyjet, we do have a water soluble support material. But it requires an elevated temperature bath that's agitated either with, you know, just waves mm-hmm. <laughs> or uh, ultrasonic agitation. The benefit of the wax is that it's very low melt temperature. So you elevate the temperature a little bit and essentially just would ooze out of the parts, yep. I imagine. And it's recyclable. <clears throat> oh, it is. So you, you can, can recover the you, wax. Really? Yes. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you pick up on any of the supposed benefits of having no roller? Yes. One, they talk about warp control. So even if your part is moving underneath the scanner, the scanner picks it up and can make those real-time corrections. So ultimately your finished part is closer to what you think it should be. Um, the... The surface on some of the parts seemed, hmm, how's the best way to put this? If I had a very, very flat surface and I just poured a little bit of water on that surface and just kind of ran it in a line, there would be sections of, how do you put this? It's not planar. Yeah, it's not planar at all. So the parts that are wet with water would be raised and you'd have these little dry spots that would be lower. Hmm. Opposite. Water is going to collect in the low spots. And, okay, so let's imagine that this table is perfectly flat. There okay. are no low spots, okay? Yeah. So the water has tension, right? Yeah. So it forms a bubble that's all raised above the table level. Right. If there's any dry spots, those are technically lower than the than the, any point that has water on it because the water can't oh, I see absorb in either. So the actual material is bubbled is that what you're saying it stands like there it 
it's just like standing water. Yeah. It, it, it looks like a topographical map of a lake okay. or a dry lake bed. If you were to see Could that. you quantify this? Are we talking about they said tens of microns? Yes, tens of microns. So okay, they are so saying thousands of an inch. It has a 16 micron print capability. Okay. So that's its Z resolution. And uh, the scanner picks up, I think, 64 microns or 60 microns. So it's the scanner, its resolution, its ability to pick up detail is not as fine yeah. as what it can actually print at. So it can't, even though it's making those real-time adjustments, I imagine, you know, when you finish that top layer, you're going to have some variations. So yeah. there may be some post-processing involved on top layers, that, top um, facing layers. That reminds me of, there's there's a concept in machining, right, that your ability to measure what you are making should be about an order of magnitude more precise yeah. than what you're trying to make, yep. right? So if I want to create a cube that is... We get it. Okay. We get it. It's an order... It, okay, got it. Yeah. It's like... And it, they're, they, it sounds like they're kind of flip-flopped right now. Exactly. And I think that will probably... It seems like it's hardware, so it should be something that could be improved upon mm -hmm. relatively easily or, you know, in the future. Now, they're trying to tackle production. This is a production machine. That's what they're saying. And so that also means end use parts. Yes. So, and, okay. So here's one of the other benefits of having no roller materials. Right. And that's the last thing I was going to touch on is it, it's epoxy based. It's not an acrylic photopolymer like we have with polyjet. So epoxy based polymers, much more mm, user friendly let's say, as end-use products. They're more durable. That's that's a great word. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You saved me there. Probably more chemically resistant. Yes. A more abrasion resistant. Yeah. Impact and, resistant. And it's not just one material, by the way. I think they have like four or five, one of which is soft. Like, yeah, it's <clears throat> so cool. An elastomer. I, I want a full mattress made out of it, whatever it is. So um, how close to it is, is it to like the feel of silicone? Not close at all. Really? Silicone you can tell is not porous. You know, and when you hold it in your hand, it's trying to like stick and it's all, yeah. it's not tacky, but you can tell it's so smooth. Yeah. This is, it has more of like a, <laughs> do you remember like those IntelliGel beds? I know the name, but I never sat in. Imagine like a closed cell foam. Like okay. A, uh, a closed cell phone. That's the closest thing I can relate it to. And it really did like feel pretty good. And uh, it's a multi-material printer. Yeah, but right? I don't believe they can digitally mix. I believe that's true. They can print multiple materials, uh, like say two different jobs on the same tray that are differing materials, but they can't do like over molds. Well, really? Yeah. They can't do overmolds? I asked. I mean, that's different than digital mixing. So you're saying- It, it is. Right. That's one level removed from digital mixing, right? Yeah. You either digital mixing, you're mixing the actual- So it's part to part? Yeah. Every single part? Okay. Yeah. 
at okay. least right now. And that's my understanding. Uh, if I need to be corrected, we'll make a correction yeah. on this later. But well, they're they're based out of Boston, as we've discussed. It's the three D printing mecca. mecca. It's a bustling metropolis of three D printing technology. And I may be going to Boston next month. Hmm. Well, if you find yourself near their headquarters, stop by. I'll just have to stop by and say, "What's up?" Yeah, Inkbit. <laughs> <laughs> Just call everyone there by name, but yeah. their name is Inkbit. Do you think uh, we're we're slowly losing listeners? Do you think we're this boring? Is... Well, they're just finding out that that this is too nerdy. Well, the the title of our room has nothing to do with the topic because <laughs> it started out as a total test. Yeah, it, don't pay, don't pay any mind. Let's wrap this up. Okay. I do happen to respect. A number of YouTubers. There is a YouTuber that was at this show covering it. He did live coverage. Um, it's his YouTube channel is called 3D Printing Nerd. If you want an overview of Rapid, he does a pretty good job. Uh, his channel should probably have an overview uh, edit put together here pretty soon. But as of right now, he has day one and two. He has some live coverage that he did there, but they are set up as interviews, so you may or may not find that interesting. I found some of the interviewees uh, pretty interesting. So, again, his channel is 3D Printing Nerd, and the coverage is decent. So if you want to get a feel for what it was like there, who was there, yeah, they covered Dindrite, Die Mansion, some of the people that we've talked about in the past. yeah. Um, I like that you attended the show and then you watched another person's recap of the show. I just want to see if his vision for the show was the same as mine. Speaking of vision, I never went back to search Vision Miner's YouTube page for my interview with them. To see if it's even there? Yeah. They cut it. He probably did cut it. Although I was talking about Velo and Velo's hot right now. Velo, it's up and coming. Everyone wants to know about Velo. I bet a lot of people on Colin are interested in Velo. And if they if they aren't, they should be. Because again, Colin it it it's attracted tech people, tech people, crypto people, investors. You're not in here, dude. That's all right. Vision Miner. Does um, he have any Amug? Amug recaps. Just search Actually, A-Mug. they post a lot of content. He he does. He's very prolific. How long ago was this? Well, Amug was in May. Amug right? recap. Yep, there it is. Three months ago, he posted the video. Scroll through it. See if I'm in there. Oh my gosh! Of course, you would want to know. <laughs> I hey, if I really wanted to know, I would have already searched. How does my hair look? Yeah, I'm kidding. Right now, I don't it's know. Pretty You're good. not in there. That's fine. I cut it, or yeah, I cut it. I told him uh, you don't have the rights to my likeness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, today was an interesting show. I don't know if anybody got much out of it, whether our regular listeners or the people on Colin, but the people on Colin have been slowly dropping and I I don't know. We we actually had a great I mean we we talked to Andrew. That was and a I, great interview. I actually think he will fit the profile of many listeners on Colin. People yeah. who are aware of printing, maybe dabbled in it, 
maybe not, but they're aware of it and uh, interested on some level. Yeah, so to our listeners uh, that are finding the podcast anywhere else but call in, our regular listeners, call in, again, is an app. You can go find our stuff, but not yet. We will not publish this episode, likely, because we totally just created a profile as a test, and we're just trying it out. Uh, I'd say it went pretty darn well. I think it went well. I think we we should post it. Yeah, we need to... Well, not on my account. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll figure it out. We will figure it out. Okay, we're going to do this next week? Absolutely. All right, cool. Okay. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>